I, I didn't plan for this. I did not plan for this to still be running and so successful. I thought it was just going to be a, a small thing that I did that, you know, my friends came to that I could, you know, get people on stage and just give them this thing to do to make a little bit of money. And it's it's honestly just taken off. This week, I talked to promoter Claire Courtney. Her monthly variety show, Jing and Tonic, has really taken off in Beijing. But first, a bit of small news. I have a new website, thepointwithhighvalian.com. You can find every episode of The Point there, all 10 of them. And uh, I've also centralized all my work in one place. I pointed this out on Twitter and Instagram, but this may be the greatest website ever designed. And I think you should take a look for yourself. Now, onto the show. I am talking to Claire Courtney. Claire is the impresario behind Jing and Tonic. Jing and Tonic is a monthly variety show, and it's become a fixture in Beijing's nightlife over the last 10 months. Last month, Claire launched What the Folk, a showcase for the city's folk acts. She's also a member of a folk trio called Juniper, and that is on top of her day job as a green screen actor. And today she's here in my home studio near beautiful Chaoyang Park in East Beijing on a less than beautiful day. Claire, welcome to The Point. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. You've done your research. It's not a lot of research. <laughs> it's really a little done. bit of research. I didn't know you knew half of that. That's, uh, that's really cool. Oh, it I... sounds nice to hear it out loud. <laughs> uh, so describe Jing and Tonic to me. What, what is it? Jing and Tonic is a variety show, I think is the best thing that I can call it. Um, it's anything and everything. So we just provide a platform and I invite things that I think will work on a stage together and we just have a night of, I guess, the unexpected. It's it's anything at all that constitutes talent or <laughs> something entertaining. Um, so yeah, it's I, I'd like to think of it just as a, a platform. What is the gap that you saw that you wanted to fill in Beijing's entertainment scene? I think sometimes there's a bit of a gap between um, musically between the like open mic scene and then the like musicians getting booked for gigs. There seems to be a little bit of a gap in between those two things. So part of, I guess, the beginning of Jing and Tonic was to give that platform for people that were in the in-between, like the struggling between getting booked for stuff and being, you know, a full-on musician versus trying out for the first time. I don't know. Yeah, that middle, that little middle ground. You've been in China since 2015. Is that right? Yes, Dan. Yeah. Why do you know that? Are you following me? Well, so there was an article <laughs> in the Beijing here. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. You just read that. Okay. Uh, uh, I do my are research. Are you stalking me? I no. do my research. I That's... listen. I take every single person I interview very seriously. Oh, oh and... there's a cat. Wow. Oh, Sorry. yeah. You know, that cat, that cat hates people. Too, oh, great. So Lovely. Gonna, yeah. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> so so you, <laughs> you've been in China since 2015. Um, have you seen anything like Jing and Tonic in Beijing before? Um, yeah, there was, um, for a, a short while, there was um, a show called Wisty Jing. Have you heard of it? No. Uh, it's one of my best friends in Beijing and um, th three other guys that set it up and it was I, I don't know if there's a way to explain it it happened at Soi Bao Chao a few times it was just their creative genius um, it was those four guys and they had like um, videos and um, live performances they did like boy band stuff um, just the weirdest stuff I've ever seen it was so so weird in the best way um, 
and I guess that was a form of variety show um and I kind of came to that and saw that and fell in love with that um and I think that was the inspiration or part of the inspiration of like you know this is fantastic and there's nothing like it that stopped and yeah Covid stopped that and then I guess I thought there's something else we can do here with that or you know use that as a starting point to go forward but apart from that I think no which is strange I think it it belongs here it belongs everywhere (laughs) yeah it's like one of those things where I think when when I when I saw it I was like you know it just sort of fits somehow like it's almost like it's always been here but it's new Ah, that's nice yeah yeah because I think there's a such a divide between oh this is a comedy night oh, I like going to comedy nights or this is a band, I, I like live music. And often people just stick to their guns. This is what I know, this is what I like. And I think Jing and Tonic kind of pushes people to, you know, they might not usually go to a comedy night, but they might come to Jing and Tonic and fall in love with a comedian and then go, ah, oh, okay, I might start going to comedy nights and vice versa, you know, all of that. Who, who, who is your audience? Who comes to your shows? the best people we I know I'm so biased but they are so up for anything and I think it's because they're prepped to expect anything so they are just wide open when they come they are up for anything and everything um I don't know who they are I I I don't honestly know we just have I don't know who they are in their professions or whatever we get a total mix of people I, I don't know if I could put them under any one umbrella, but I guess that is the audience. They are just the most mismatched group of people, but already I can see like a bit of a community forming with them. They started to know each other as regulars at Jing and Tonic, um, but I think they're so welcoming to new people. They're open. It, it's really starting to feel like a, a community there. So, so do you notice a demographic though? Are they mostly younger? Or do they skew... A little older because I not that definitely don't skew older let's put it that way not when I was there I guess they are younger yes I think we have yeah I guess we're in that bracket 25 to 35 kind of demographic I suppose if I think about it um maybe Monday to Friday kind of workers and they get to the Friday or Saturday and they just want to have a good time and we we kick that off so I guess you could be right in saying that however I think it's totally open. And if an older demographic were to come, I don't think they'd feel out of place. I definitely did not feel out of yeah, place yeah. when I was there. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older than 35, but, you know. Not by much. Not, not by much. much. Thank you. <laughs> so you, you launched the show back in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're coming up quickly to the one year anniversary. You launched during the pandemic. Uh, and I imagine at that time, there were a lot of bars who were freaking out uh, because they needed customers. And a lot of artists were worried because they didn't have a place to play. So in a way, you came around at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Things have changed a little bit since you launched. Uh, a couple of bars have closed over the last couple of months. And um, we've talked about that on the show, actually. But there's also been an easing of rules in Beijing. I think people are more comfortable going to bars now. Yeah. Uh, um, how has that easing of rules had an impact for you on your ability to book both venues and artists? Um, I think, like, in the beginning, I, I I feel bad now. In the At the time, I just thought, I need to provide this. You know, these are these are people struggling for, you know, work. The, the actors, and the, not the acts, but the acts themselves struggling for work. The venues are struggling for customers. Probably for a reason. I feel a little bit bad in hindsight. Like, maybe I, I 
probably shouldn't have been running this event but I know at the time people just needed it for their souls like we we just needed this stage to be open um so I don't think it would have worked honestly outside of COVID times it might not have worked I think it is just great timing um I honestly don't think we've maybe we've noticed a settling of rules and stuff but I haven't at any point felt settled it was a joke in the beginning we our first five or six shows got shut down by the police and you know we got that room you know we're the the shutdown show like it it started to be a kind of a joke um and now I guess yeah we're starting to feel more confident because I started every show like oh when's it gonna happen I'm constantly checking my phone waiting for my door guy to send me the message um and our audience were so supportive to to have retained this audience throughout that knowing you're coming to a show that's probably getting shut but that was you know, that was the time. Um, so I guess the, the easing of rules have meant that we can be more confident um, with our with our ticket sales, not having to refund or not having to, um, you know, explain the next day, you know, every, yeah. So that's been an aspect. Um, and I guess the second thing is that we've been able to increase the numbers. We've been able to, to get more people in the door so that they can enjoy it and not have to cap it at certain points or turn people away at the doors and stuff like that. So... Honestly, that's the only thing I've noticed, but having that recent dip again, um, we started to get comfortable and then it was like, ah, oh, it's happening again. Um, so I, I, I'm not resting on my laurels there yet. I'm kind of just being cautious still. And we're at a, you know, there was a bit of an uptick over what, January, February, but now things seem to be okay now. Let's see, let's I don't know, know. cross our fingers. I don't know. <laughs> just going back to those five, first five shows and you were shut down. Um, you expected, the, I mean, there, you expected the shows to go through, right? I mean, there was no indication that you would be shut down. Um, I think, I think, no, we prepared to be shut down. We kind of prepared for that. During that time, like everything was, get, it was, it was a miracle that we were still running and getting the numbers. I think in almost a year, we've had maybe two shows that have had less than 100 people through the doors in COVID times. That's awful. That's really like, I mean, it's great. It's awful that it was allowed to happen and we expected it to happen. Um, so we kind of just, yeah, we prepared to get shut down. What we, what we were doing is maybe not the best thing. Well, I mean, just for those listeners who aren't in China and who don't understand mm. the, the COVID situation in Beijing, uh, early on there was a massive shut down and a massive crackdown but for the last you know since i don't know i guess since may really yeah. i mean it's it's been the numbers have been pretty low yeah uh, in a way that you can sort of safely have people yeah. in bars here. life has felt pretty normal for yeah. the last while you know we've been really lucky yeah so just 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 because i know there's going to be some listeners who are like I wait read. wait a second i read <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah and i mean they have measures in place the qr codes to scan to, to to show where you are to prove that you've been here you you know we can i guess they have a good structure in place too. exactly the contact tracing etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. since if you when you look back on that first show in may how, how has jing and tonic changed since then ah <sighs> i think well the first show started with a bang uh we we started in tribute was our first ever show and it was free and we got, I think we got about 200 people through the door. And I don't know if you've ever been to Tribute, but it's a tiny bar. Um, somebody messaged me the next day to say we'd been featured on Israel TV. Somebody like we'd been on, we'd, you know, we'd been on the TV because people were like, look, life is fine. Everything's going to be okay. And that was nice. But um, so we started with a big, big bang. Um, and that, I think, was the reason why we've been so successful or part of it, because 
we set a really good um I don't know reputation from the start like wow people go to this this is the place to be you know and uh it's not really stopped since then uh the time that we've had these low numbers are, are maybe like due to a last minute venue change because the venue we'd planned had been shut down that sort of thing um and and people maybe not wanting to risk going out um how what was your question how, how, uh, how has it changed <laughs> it was like from the from the first show i guess, I guess another way of look, look asking it would be what have you learned or oh endless i don't know it's honestly be, I, I didn't plan for this i did not plan for this to still be running and so successful i thought it was just going to be a, a small thing that i did that you know my friends came to that i could you know get people on stage and just give them this thing to do to make a little bit of money and it's it's honestly just taken off um I've learned about venues. I've learned about how to organize. I've, I, I don't have any previous experience of this. I want to point out, I, I, this is my first time doing this. Um, so I've learned kind of what's acceptable when you're kind of dealing with a venue and, and you know, the, the kind of deal that you do with them. And I've learned that through trial and error and working, you know, we venue hop. We do a different venue every time. Um, and I've learned that through dealing with different venues. And now I'm in a position that I can kind of be like, oh, actually you know I think some people maybe don't know what I'm doing and they don't know that I've dealt with all of these venues so I can kind of go like oh well actually when I when I dealt with this venue and this venue and this venue and this venue you know uh, this is what we kind of worked out and so yeah I'm really confident with that stuff now um and in terms of the show itself it just feels really stable now it feels like it's got a good reputation we've got a good audience coming in um and acts want to perform you know they want to come on the show now it's not me kind of begging my friends like guys I need I need two more acts I've, I'm booked until June like I <laughs> I don't struggle to get acts and I thought I would that was that was something I thought I'd find challenging it's finding you know the variety uh, but it's just been coming naturally just uh endless tap of people that are wanting to try something out um that wouldn't maybe have a platform at you know elsewhere so um what's an act that you really want to book but you haven't been able to just yet um there's a there's a mariachi band um and i think they're based in shanghai or guangzhou or something they're, they're or guangzhou i'm not sure they're based somewhere not in beijing um and they come to beijing very occasionally and i would love to i'd love to get that a full mariachi band that's variety like that's like people just be like what the hell like where did you get this? You know, I like those weird acts that, that exist in obscure places that people just don't think of. You know, I like obscure stuff. Yeah. Um, so back in September, my wife and I um, had just finished two weeks of quarantine and we really wanted to go out. And we heard about gin, gin and tonic because it wasn't around when we first left. And But we didn't buy tickets. Um, we got to the door. It was sold out. I think it was at the Bricks. And we got on the waiting list. And then we came back half an hour later. People were streaming out of the bar. <laughs> oh, no. And, and it was one of those moments when you said, oh, it was just, you know, the police had, had shut you down. Mm. And that must have been really stressful. Um, I'm just wondering, are there, like, other behind the scenes, oh, my God, did that just happen kind of story that you can tell me? No, I think it's been mostly kind of plain sailing I, I for the most part. Uh, sometimes I, I book wildcard acts that I haven't even seen and I like doing that for a just a yeah yeah I see you can see your face right now you can see um yeah sometimes I like that it, it's like I'm going out 
you know, on a limb here. I'm, I, I don't know what you're about to do on my stage. And I kind of like that. And the audience know that. Um, so sometimes there's been a bit of a like, oh God, like what's happening here? Claire, I have to ask <laughs> like, for specifics. Like you, <laughs> you don't have to answer. You don't have to answer anything, but I have, I, I have to ask you at least. I think... But, but this is the thing, they've been successful. It's been an oh my God moment in a like, holy shit, like where did that come from? Um, one of my friends, Alfie, bless him, I've been told so many times like you need to get this guy on, you need to get this guy on. And he's a such a talented musician. He plays in several bands. Um, but he also does this thing where he dresses up in a princess dress and sings. Um, you've seen him? I saw him. <laughs> and he sings nursery rhymes in Chinese and English. Um, to, you know, if you are a native English speaker, he's, he's teaching you Chinese. And if you're Chinese, he's teaching you English. So he does this very, it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's borderline, I, I want to use the word fetish. There's something really weird about what he does, but it's so entertaining. So that was one of the ones, because he's a friend of mine, I, I, I was just like, dude, I'm, I'm trusting you with my stage, but the weirder the better. Let's, let's do it. I can tell you that, you know, I was, I was near a table where, um, there was some, yeah, I was at Lenore's. Yeah. Yeah. I was at Lenore's and, um, some of the Chinese audience members really perked up. (laughs) That was the one when people perked up, got their phones out, they started Mm. taking video of it. Yeah. I I was very confused. (laughs) Were you entertained? I was entertained for a while. (laughs) And then you were? further confused and then i went for a drink and then i was entertained (laughs) right but but that's a perfect example of that maybe didn't appeal it appealed more to the chinese audience than it did to the western audience and i think that's important because i don't want to just appeal to the western audience i want to pull and perhaps there's a language barrier but sometimes talent doesn't need a a language you know We, we just need to make people smile and laugh and people were smiling and laughing and for me that was like a wow moment of like okay this i i expected the western audience to love this and i thought the chinese would be confused and it was completely the opposite way around and i and i loved that that was great for me (laughs) people might have questioned my sanity at that point but not at all i i mean i i like that you take risks actually and and actually the 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 next question is sort of based on that um so you know a month after not being able to see the show i finally I, i got i got to see the show at lenore's um with some friends and, and I had a really, really, really good time. Um, you had on a couple of comics that night and one of them got into some really risky areas, um, which comics often do, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought he was really funny, yeah, actually, yeah. And, and I went and told him that. Uh, but that wasn't like the universal reaction at my table. Yeah. Um, nobody like, you know, nobody left like in a huff or anything like that. Like yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of reaction, but it was, you know, they, they just, didn't really like his humor. Yeah. Um, but it's a variety show. And mm. like you said, like by definition, mm. it's not everything is going to appeal to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you worry that you might push some audiences away? Um, I think overall, no. And that might be a, a risky thing to say. I, I think the way that I want to go with this is that we warn people you know this is what this is we warn them you know we got we got dildos flying around at some shows and that's just how we are and and I it's rare that people don't want to come back you know because usually there's one or two things you've seen or at the end of the night you go well you know 
I might not have liked that, but I didn't expect to see it tonight. Or this is not, it's different. I think people like doing different things. So honestly, if you if you don't like it, you're never gonna like it. And that's like going to see, uh, I don't know, a, a heavy metal band, and you know you might not like it, and you won't go back, and that's fine. That's that's the way of it. So I I wouldn't say I worry, not not really. <laughs> Why did you have dildos? Being thrown around. Um, we do. It's part of my act, my my Bobby Binet thing. Um, I don't know why I started that. I, I think so. Jing and Tonic entirely comes from Bobby Binet, and Bobby Binet debuted on Wisty Jing that I touched on earlier. That that previous one, they were supposed to be all out there. So I started Bobby Binet as a. Actually, I wanted to do stand up comedy originally, and then I realized really how difficult that is. It's so hard, and so I thought, okay. Well, I think I can sing, so I'm gonna <laughs> do lyrics, change my lyrics and do old, beautiful, lovely, romantic songs, but change it to the most disgusting lyrics. So, so that is that is what I did. So I started Jing and Tonic, I guess, as a way to give myself a platform initially. Like, you know, there's nothing here that I can do. There's nothing that fits my thing. I can't go on a comedy, I could go on a comedy show, but it's something a little bit different and weird. If I do music... Uh, it's, it's maybe a bit out there and risky for that. I want to make something. So that's going back to actually your first question. But um, yeah, so where am I going with this? Why am I talking about this? Dildos. Dildos, yeah. <laughs> um, so the nature of that is making people feel really uncomfortable, but making them laugh at the same time. And, and that thing that you have to confront in yourself of like, why am I laughing at this? I know it's bad. And just dildos are another way to do that you know making people touch this thing that they didn't expect to touch and throwing it around so as part of one of my songs um I won't go into too much of the detail of the song itself but um it's kind of involving that so part of the thing that I did was you know whipped out this big double ender dildo and told people you got to throw this around the room and the rules are you you got to throw it to somebody that you have never met before a total stranger and you can't hold it for more than 10 seconds until the song's finished so it was just the best fun. So we now try and incorporate this, um, just this flying dildo. People love it. People went crazy for it. Um, there's really no more reason or rhyme to it than that. Cool. <laughs> People like flying dildos. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, so you went into a different direction last month mm. uh, when you launched What the Folk. Yes. Uh, what is What the Folk and how did it go? Um, so we... Actually, I kind of trialed it with a gin and tonic. So we took January's gin and tonic and we went to Hohai um, by the lake and we did an acoustic kind of unplugged version, um, which was really different for us. And it was a massive success. It, it was it was so great. Um, so we already had our sights set on what the folk. Um, it started because now I'm I'm also in Juniper, the, the three-piece um, harmony thing. And we've been just kind of finding more people that want to do folky acoustic music going to open mics and again it's just this thing where I realized outside of open mics we don't have anything dedicated to this kind of music you know folky chill vibes just something really nice and relaxed um we don't really have that unless you're okay you're a band and you're booking your own gig but we don't have that mixed bag of this thing um so yeah having trialed it in January realizing how how well it was we decided to kind of go ahead with it so we had the first one um on the 5th of february yeah after it was a week it was the week after so the 5th of february we went to um mogu space um a venue a little bit outside of the second ring and um again a huge success um 
so we've decided to kind of run with it. Um, it's going to be different from gin and tonic, obviously from the nature of it, but we're also going to stick with that venue in Hohai. So it's going to be the same venue every month, um, different acts, less acts. So four, four acts, same venue, 30 minutes per act. Um, and just super, super chill vibes. Um, it's like just being in someone's living room or front room and, and it's, it's just got this really nice, nice feel. I have to ask you about green screen <laughs> acting. Mm. Is, is, is that what brought you here to China? No, I just, I've been, I've been an English teacher um, for the last kind of five years. COVID, COVID brought me into the lap of green screen. Um, my friend was looking for someone and I was like, oh. he was like, I think you have the right personality for this. And um, so I've only been there for six or seven months. Very new job. Loving it. Describe it. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's for an app. It's for like an English learning app. So um, we basically come up with some scripts. It's like a really creative thing um, to do. Come up with some scripts and um, and act it out. So it's just this huge studio with green screen. Um, sometimes we have real objects there. Sometimes we don't. It's it's the weirdest things have happened um, in that studio that I never thought I'd be doing on, on screen. <laughs> like I mean. Uh, getting shot on by a bird and that's just my director dropping yogurt from a height onto my arm and me having to be like oh my god but yeah it's mostly I go in and I and I talk to myself and um I, later on they animate um some things into there we've got some like set characters and it's really cool I can't believe I get to do it every day what's next for Jing and Tonic Oh, well, March, first of all, you know, March, we have a big St. Patrick's Day theme special. So all the Irish stuff, um, it's going to be a big old knees up. So that's going to be at Eudora Station, big, big venue. It's going to be amazing. April, I'm gearing towards weird and wacky. So that's going to be <laughs> not for the faint hearted. Um, all my weirdest stuff or more weird things that I haven't done yet. I'm going to be bringing it to a stage. I'm still finalizing venue for that. Um, and then we have May, which is our one year anniversary. And I haven't really thought too much into that yet, but I want to get a big venue. I want to go glitzy. I want to go, I want to go big. Um, so it's going to be a big thing. And then yeah, June onwards, we'll see. I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't expect it to, to be like this. So I'm, I'm just taking it one month at a time and, um, trying to keep it entertaining. That sounds so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I really Really enjoy uh, joining in Donic, and I really enjoyed talking to you, Claire. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for having me. Well, that was fun. Uh, the next What the Folk is March 13. There's more info on Instagram. Just search for jing.andtonic. Check back on Monday for a special bonus episode. I talked to Connie May Pickert, a writer in Shanghai. She wrote about a subtitle collective that's been shut down. I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.